As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round, pick, John Elway, Jim Kelly. Welcome back to the draft. And with the first round, pick, Dan Marino and Rudolph. NFL draft. And with the first round, pick, Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL draft. Good young players with the draft all about. Here in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Mark receivers running back. Tackle. Quarterback. Every year in the draft. Cowboys draft is over. They've drafted their players for 2022. Cowboys making a questionable pick in the first round. Some solid picks on day two, according to the consensus. And then they made, of course, the big kicker move later. We'll talk about everything. We'll see how we did in our mock drafts as well. Welcome in to the Baltimore Cowboys podcast, the Athletic Podcast Network. It's Kent producing, welcoming in three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. We had Father John Mishota at the star. He's joining us again. We've got Sod off stars duty again. And of course, in the hosting chair, it's Kevin KT Turner. KT, how we doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much, Kent. And great job uh, on the athletic football show as well over the weekend. Hey, appreciate uh, that. Was the Las Vegas Strip... Uh, what you imagined or what you remembered? Kind of, you've been to Vegas before, right? You know, there was, it was kind of amazing to see just fans from almost every team you can imagine on the strip. You know, like Super Bowl, I guess it's more both the teams that are playing. So this was just a, an amazing culmination of just the entire league, international fans. But I will say the most random jersey I saw was the Dallas Cowboys Jeff Heath jersey. So I did not expect to see that one. So somebody's still rocking the 38 out there on the strip. Awesome. Respect. Um, <laughs> well, let, let's start uh, in the first round. And I, I think this is where the draft kind of changed a little bit, where the Lions jumped up when they traded for Jamison Williams and kind of kept the wide receiver run going. Because when the J- Lions traded up to number 12, um, which is a pretty big jump, Jamison Williams was the fourth wide receiver taken. So you pretty much pretty clearly got the feeling there after London, Wilson, Alave were off the board, that Traylon Burks is probably not going to make it to you at 24 if that's what you wanted. But I think then when Houston took Kenyon Green, the guard at 15, 
I'm wondering if that shook some things up inside the Cowboys' war room because when you look at what happened after that with Zion Johnson goes at 17 to the Chargers, Traylon Burks goes at 18 to the Titans after they trade A.J. Brown to the Eagles. God, what a chaotic night Thursday night was. And then Trevor Penning goes to the Saints at 19. Then it's like, okay, well, who else is left on the board? We have Linderbaum, we know. We you know, had heard a lot about Tyler Smith, the offensive lineman from Tulsa. Then after that, you kind of felt like their board might be wiped out with offensive players and it might be defensive players. So Tyler Smith is your pick at 24, the offensive lineman out of Tulsa. John, what were you kind of thinking as this was all going down? Uh, as you guys know, I'm Florida State football fan. So uh, I was thinking that uh, this team uh, just doesn't want to draft any of the defensive players from Florida State that I like. Uh, they didn't want to take Jalen Ramsey in 2016. Uh, they didn't want to take Derwin James the year they took Leighton Vandresh. And they clearly didn't want to take Jermaine Johnson this year. And I never thought he would ever be there at 24. And going off their previous two drafts, the way they drafted in the first round, I kind of figured that, oh, you know, they're going to take one of these edge rushers because that's the best player available. It's not Jermaine Johnson. Maybe it's George Karloftis. Maybe it's Devin Lloyd, the linebacker from Utah. Uh, And now they're going to say that Tyler Smith was higher on their board than Kenyon Green and and Zion Johnson. And maybe he was. And, And from... Everybody I've heard from that that studies this stuff and knows the stuff better than I do, they they talk about how high Tyler Smith's ceiling is and what he could potentially be. It just he sounds like much more of a project than what I'm used to the Cowboys taking in the first round. And so, um, you know, I know we're going to get in the rest of the draft, and, and the rest of the draft I was I was I was fine with. I had no issue, but I didn't I didn't love the Tyler Smith pick. And if he ends up being um, an outstanding offensive tackle. Hey, I'll be the first one to admit that I was wrong on him. I didn't love the Travis Frederick pick when they made it, but um, I also don't compare this to Travis Frederick because Travis Frederick was ready to be your starting center immediately. Um, this is your left tackle of the future that you're hoping can be your left guard of today. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing for me with this was also like the position flex between guard and tackle. I, I think if you're if you're an elite offensive lineman you can do it we've seen Zach Martin do it um but that's a bigger jump than most people think you don't just go from tackle to guard like I remember talking to Connor Williams when they were putting him through that transition because he played tackle at Texas and then they wanted him to play guard and he was talking to me about just like how the the diet the changes that he had to make throughout an entire offseason and the workouts that had to change like he had to train he literally had to change like a trainer and everything like that's not like a small little adjustment just to go from tackle to guard. So, and then go back out to tackle. Like when Tyron goes down, you, you can't just toss him back out to left tackle to protect Dak's blindside. That's just not how this works. So I think, you know, I, I Jerry in the first minute after, after the pick was talking about position flex and it's fine. Like, you know, if you're using him as a swing tackle or for right tackle or something, like I, I'm more fine with that. But if it's just, you know, go between guard tackle and he's supposed to be your Connor Williams replacement. And then the future for Tyron Smith, like it's just a little confusing to me as to just how they're, how they're going to, you know, plan with this guy. 
So, and they so just didn't I, I seem can, like they were drafting best player available. They they seemed like they were trying to fill a need. Everybody knew their biggest need was left guard. Everybody knows that that Tyron Smith going off the way he played the back end of this past season, played in the playoff game, the injuries he's dealt with, that eventually they're going to have to get his heir apparent. And so I understand why you're doing this. It just seems like much more of a need pick than it is best player available. Yeah, and it's a thing where you know the draft is funny because in five years, Tyler Smith could be the best player of the guys who fell after the board. Because that's who you're always going to compare it to. Oh, and real quick, let me just add in there. The reason I'm saying this about the need over the – this really needs to be stated because there can be people listening to this and going, what's wrong with that? Um, Follow the Cowboys' history. When they draft for need, their drafts compared to their best player available aren't even close. Who were you guys hoping they would take in that situation? I wanted one of the defensive ends, Jermaine Johnson or or George Karloftis. Yeah, I was hoping for Karloftis. And, and I did want the Cowboys to, like, take care of left guard. But, man, they had opportunities to do that. I mean, if you watch how the draft fell, they had opportunities the second, third, fourth round where they could have drafted a plug-and-play left guard. So, and here's the other thing with even on the edge with either one of those guys. Let's not act like this is, well, they already have Demarcus Lawrence and they, and they just signed Randy Gregory. No, they knew they needed a, an edge rusher to the level that – that's what they took with their very next pick. Because, you know, that's the thing I hate when people, like, go back and look at old drafts and be like, can't believe they took this defensive tackle when this wide receiver was there that's now a five-time Pro Bowler. Like, they weren't looking for a wide receiver at that time. You can't just look at the next. But I'm saying I like to look at the positions you were targeting early in yeah. the draft, and Ed Rusher was one of those. Yeah, well, and it's not like – I mean, I, I doubt the Cowboys were going to take a linebacker again, but Devin Lloyd could have been – you know, you could make a case for that as well. But yeah, it's the defensive ends that'll jump out. But but one thing I'll say is this. When the Cowboys do deserve a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but we also everyone can have an opinion on what happened that night. And I too it, it it's not about building a board and what's on my board compared to their board and all that stuff. For me it's just like did they take the best player? Does this make sense? Here's my biggest issue. My biggest issue is we have a fundamental flaw in what they have told us over time. And maybe that goes back a little bit to the head coach now with a couple of things like two years ago, the this is not fantasy football, we don't move around guys comment, but whatever, I'll let that slide. But how about the first thing that he said after the season ends? You have the post-game press conference, okay, then they go back and they clean out the lockers. And on that day, the, one of the first things he said is, we've got to address the penalties. And by even ha- having interest in Tyler Smith or Trevor Penning, not just Tyler Smith, hear me out. Tyler Smith and Trevor Penning, your interest in those guys, you're basically saying, well, we have no problem taking the most highly penalized football player in college football. And when you watch Tyler Smith, and we've talked, I felt like we talked about this when we were talking about Connor Williams, like referees are not taught to call holding based on seeing holds. What they are taught, because the game moves too fast, they are taught to watch for hand placement. It's when you, see, when you read The Beast and you see Dane talk about hand placement on an offensive lineman. Not only is that good for leverage, but he's also talking about for penalties. Refs are taught to watch hand placement and where they put their arms. Man, if you watch Tyler Smith, he needs a lot of work at that. It is no surprise that he got called for 12 holding penalties last season because when you watch, his hands are on the outside almost every time. So this is not only a big draft, uh, you know, I mean, for Tyler Smith as a person, but like Joe Philbin's got a lot of work he's got to get done here. And there's a lot riding on that. And I think we need to pay very close attention to how Tyler Smith progresses if they're going to plug and play him at left guard. Well, when you mentioned that, I can't remember the exact wording you used, but at the very beginning of your statement about 
well, what they're saying. What they're saying is, is if you follow the Cowboys long enough, is they say a little bit of everything. So all, everything's covered. You know, and we got, we, we are always getting doses of this where it's like, I thought it was this way because you said this. And then they'll say, I can give you a great example from, from yesterday after the draft was over. Uh, just to show you, by the way, that there was no chance of them trading back in the seventh round. We had our post-draft press conference with like probably 15 picks left to go in the sixth round. It was like they were already done. Like, so um, I don't know how many other teams do their post-draft press conferences in the middle of the sixth round. But uh, so we do that. And during that press conference, I thought one of the interesting things was talking about center because obviously this this ties into pick 24 because pick 25 was Tyler Linderbaum. As I've said on here, I did not want Tyler Linderbaum. They have said that they did not want a player that did not have position flex. So what happens is, is you sit there and start talking about, particularly Jerry Jones, about the idea that he doesn't want a center that can't also play guard. Your last two centers can't play guard. I'm sorry. You're not moving Biotish to guard. You were not moving Travis Frederick to guard. That's the problem, John, is that they can't. They can't draft Linderbaum and move Biotish to guard. That's what they would want to do. But but it's like they draft Linderbaum, Biotish, like what do you do with him? No, and, that, and that's fine. And and I, I'm saying me personally, I'm fine with you if you draft a guy who can only play left tackle. I'm fine with that only take center. I'm fine with all of that. That makes sense to me. I'm saying when you say that at the press conference – you're just saying that because it sounds good because there's people second guessing the oh, idea sure. of like yeah. why didn't you Justifying take Linderbaum? the pick? Yeah, which was also interesting because then Will McClay jumps in and goes, "Well, I don't know who was the best center. Who was the best center in this draft?" Because Linderbaum's name wasn't mentioned, and so when he jumped in and said that, that was very intriguing to me because he was obviously saying that Tyler Linderbaum is not who he thinks is the best center. That was very clear. There, there was no Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green tags touching center. Everybody had Tyler Linderbaum there, and so for Will to jump in there and say that. It clearly shows you that he doesn't think that the guy that everybody else does. So if he doesn't think it is, then who would be the next one? That would be Cam Jurgens, who was a guy that they had on one of their 30 visits. Cam Jurgens did not end up going until pick 51, I believe it was. Yes, 51 to Philadelphia. So the difference there is clearly that they're saying that because they did not think Linderbaum could play also guard, he was only a center. That's why that they didn't like him. That's fine. Leave it at that. To sit there and say, I need position flex for my center, that is that is not true. You have not had position flex from your centers. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. anyway, to wrap up, what I'm trying to get at is if you like what the Cowboys are, are saying at a certain point in time, stop listening. If you don't like what they're saying, keep listening. They'll say something eventually. You know, later on in this draft, we got the, we're, we're getting the change at defensive tackle. We'll get into this about the one technique. Now they need the big guys. You know, they didn't want they don't want the small guys anymore. The Rod Marinelli guys. Now they want the big guys now. So it's like you're just you just I don't know. Like things just change. And and I and and part of the reason why I think that we get this is because you have front office people who I love. It's great for business, but they talk quite often. And so when you're talking quite often, you're going to say a lot of things. And when you say a lot of things, especially when it, when it involves competitive situations like a draft, you're going to say things that even you know aren't true, that you're just putting stuff out there. Yeah. While we're talking about press conferences, this is a, this is a perfect segue, John, <laughs> uh, to the press conference after the end of the first round. I was watching it live. I wanted to see what Jerry, Stephen, Will, everybody would say about the pick. And Jerry flashes up the uh, board and I looked down. I was like, wow, there's John on the first row. 
didn't have his phone out, didn't get the photo. I was like, oh my gosh, John, you have, you have let me down as the father in this moment. So but, I, there's nobody, nobody that's going to be quicker on getting that than I am. I know. Covered, I was hey, like, what the, the hell, John? Come on. Ex- can I explain? Quick draw. <laughs> so, and I'm talking not just, I'm talking all 32 teams. Oh, like, yeah. I'm not, I'm I'm not talking, good at a lot I, of that's things. That's what I'm saying. You're the man. You're right. front I'm row. Not, I've got a lot of good things, but I, I'm good at that. The reason I did not do that is because sitting in that front row right in front of me was Will McClay, uh, you know, Stephen Jones, Mike McCarthy. And I was kind of like, should I do this right now? I, they're all looking at Jerry like, what are you doing type thing? And it would have been so obvious. And I just was an awkward moment in, in, in the moment. When I look back on it, I'm like, who cares? You should have just done it anyway. But it was so awkward when it happened that I was like, I have my phone in my hand at all times. And I was I, like, I was looking at like, should I do this right now? I almost feel like this is going to be kind of disrespectful. Because it's one thing if you're a photographer and you always have mm-hmm. your camera in your hand. Because the, like, the team photographer is sitting right there. And he was snapping mm-hmm. pictures when I did it. Obviously, the team photographer is not going to post that picture. But there's part of me, I'm like, should I really do this? Because if I was in one of the like second or third row, I probably would. But because I'm sitting right in front of them, there's not much of a gap right there. I'm looking at the sheet and I'm like, I could barely read it. So there's also a part of me that was like, I don't even know how good this picture is going to come out. But I'm basically going to have to go paparazzi mode and just have this phone right in front of their face right now. And so just because in that sec, in, in that like, I don't know, two, three seconds there, I was like, should I do this right now? I just feel like this is, I don't know. It just seems kind of awkward. The I other was thing just that, watching other, it. I was just expecting you to be laughing really hard and just the phone just go up like beep, like super yeah. fast and like not even, the, the not even notice it, you know, and you, and you have that, that. The photo. other thing that makes it so obvious compared to other teams is that we're not allowed to take any video. So generally yeah. what happens is, is you snap a picture quick when they first sit down at the beginning because I'm not really trying to snap a bunch of pictures of these same four people that we see pictures of all the time. So I really don't think it adds anything. Do I need proof that I'm there? If you if you guys think I'm there, great. If you don't, don't really give a shit anyway. So uh, obviously I'm I'm there. So I don't like really doing that. So there was a part of me that was like, this is just kind of awkward. If all of a sudden I just get my phone out, like in a way, <laughs> it kind of reminded me of, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this video, but like uh, Jonah Hill is just like walking down a street and, Leonardo DiCaprio just runs up to him like but he's got like kind of his face covered so he doesn't know who he is and he's got his phone out like he's gonna take a picture like right in front of his face and so Jonah Hill is like like panicking because he thinks it's just like some fan on the streets and then he realizes Leonardo DiCaprio and he just starts laughing but you can tell he's like startled Mm -hmm. because it's just like how a fan like just a phone right in front of your face so just because we were sitting so that was the only reason I didn't but yeah obviously I have some regrets about it but (laughs) but I'm but I'm pretty confident I wouldn't have had anything because I was was hard it was hard to to have the photo I I was just like oh man he's gonna get oh it was was, just so funny to watch even when I was looking at it it was tough to make out like because usually what happens when they have a sheet up there, it's usually all of a list of all the picks that they just made. Because I've right. seen it before, and mm-hmm. it's just like a breakdown of that. Um, but yeah, no, I know. I guess I, I guess I let people down. Like he was wanting y'all to take a. He's like, here, y'all want to see it? Here, he's like, zoom in on it. <laughs> he's like wanting y'all to. It's funny. And they're like, what the hell are you doing, Jerry? Um, in, in that press conference, this this is some Jerry for you, Jory Epstein, the great Jory Epstein throws out the question. So, uh, did you have a first round grade on this player? And if for any of the of you that watched the coverage we did for the athletic Cowboys make the pick Dane Brugger is immediately, immediately says, I know for a fact, Cowboys have a second round grade on that player. So they immediately start talking about, you know, do they take best player available? Who's left uh, that they liked all that kind of stuff. And Jerry's response is, well, 
we took him in the first round, didn't we? So he's a first round player. So he like the way he was able to spin. Um, we don't have a first round grade on him, but we took him in the first round. Therefore, he is a first round player was very impressive to me. So he didn't oh, say well. no, but he didn't say yes either. Well, we got another two minute walk off with him after going further on trying to explain that to us. And the reason he's doing that is because it do- it doesn't it's not like your typical first round pick. Obviously, this guy is not one of their you know right. They said Just say, oh, we have we have we have fifteen guys rated first gra- in the first round. All those guys were gone. He would never say that. And so you've you know you start taking your eighteenth ranked player <laughs> at that point, and that's where you are. They they also could just go do whatever they want and make up whatever they want too because like we have no way of finding out because D- Stephen goes. Uh, it's a good thing we didn't trade because uh, another GM texted me and said that uh, they were coming to get him. Well, we don't know that, and we can't check your phone. But I guess we have to believe what you say. It's I mean, kind of a strange thing. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, well, sure. I mean, New England went in at twenty nine to Cole Strange, so I mean, oh, there yeah. certainly could have been other teams that like this guy. And I'm not saying that like Tyler Smith is like a third round guy or a Dude. late second or something like that. Like, I get where it's at, but the thing is, is that. It just is not, it, it does not follow what they've been saying that they're going to best player available, best player available. That's why we address all our needs to a certain extent in free agency so that when we get to the draft, we can take best player available. So where I get at with that is if they would have, d- have gone out and gotten some type of a guard that was a veteran guard, they felt like, hey, we can plug this guy in. He can be our starter. Won't be the best guard in the league. Won't be the worst. Probably be a, a little bit better than Connor Williams. But if a guard is there, at 24, we'll take a guard. But if he's not, then we're going to take the best player, like a Jermaine Johnson, like a George Karloftis, something like that. But they didn't do that. And there was this glaring hole, and it was like, this is how we're going to fix it. If Kenyon Green was there, do you think they would have taken him over Tyler Davis? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think their guys were Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, maybe a couple of the receivers. Steven said that they didn't have any uh, inkling to move up because the guys – that they wanted were kind of gone before they were close enough to move up and not give up too much to move up. So um, they kind of just stuck with who fell to them. It's also hard to just uh, to go, we're taking a project in round one. That's a hard thing to accept. So he better be good. (laughs) You know, it's a little unfair of a position for Tyler to be in, I guess, but he was a first round pick in the NFL. So go get him, dude. And I, by the way, yeah, he seems awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I will also say that it's uh, – I know we're talking about giving the Cowboys the benefit of the doubt, and I get it. But also, this is not – this is very different from when they were drafting and developing those guys, uh, you know, like Tyron and Travis and, and Lyle Collins. Like, it was it was a different head coach. It was a different offensive line coach. It was a different like, – like, a lot of what Joe Philbin – uh, Joe Philbin preaches is not like what Bill Callahan was preaching uh, back then. So I like, I, I don't know, like I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, um, you know, just take it with caution. Like I, I get like, just because it's offensive linemen and Cowboys, we kind of lump it together, but I don't think it's one and all the same at all. Oh, can you just imagine? I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect scenario. Like, yeah, you can say this is like a negative scenario and like, what are the chances of this happen? But it's, it's certainly realistic. Uh, they like Tyler Smith, like all the measurables, he's doing well, whatever training camp, he's solid, solid, but 
We really don't think that he's that good at left guard right now. So we're going to kind of counter McGovern's going to start at left guard. So week one, he's not even starting might not even what if he doesn't even play that much at all this season because they're like yeah he's still got a ways to go and we don't want to like ruin his confidence or things like that these are all certainly possible things and uh, oh by the way in Cincinnati Lyle Collins is killing it <laughs> I mean like how bad does that look if, if that happens and you can't sit here and tell me right now like oh that's just so ridiculous that'll never happen like okay let's maybe it, maybe it doesn't let's just see no 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 that's that's it, and that's well. That's how this is gonna go, right? This is just how it's. He's always gonna be tied to that, and it's the same thing with T.J. Watt when you're watching how he was doing with the Steelers, and you're just watching. It's a little different because there wasn't a ton of great names, and they you know took Van Der Esch, but like every time, and every team does that. It's not just the Cowboys, but like my 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 issue is more about well penalties. We gotta address penalties, man. Yeah, God. Well, you take the penalized guy. Like, what do you think's going to happen? <laughs> You're going to get penalized. Much less, and also asking him to move. So, you know, uh, whatever. But, hey, uh, we all uh, hope it, it works out well for Tyler Smith. I thought his press conference was pretty funny when he said that opinions are like buttholes. And then everyone, including Mike McCarthy, and John, you were there, everyone, including Mike McCarthy, Bargain. act like, they act like Tyler well, said the most uh, shocking thing ever. No, they didn't fart. <laughs> Everybody, including Mike was, McCarthy, farted dude, on cue. It was such a oh, – and, and then Mike goes, oh, oh Opinions are like buttholes. <laughs> I, just, I, I just laughed when I, when I heard that because I just like – I just pictured like – I just pictured Tyler picturing Bob Sturm as a butthole. Um, like, I didn't know if he like, it, like, it, it felt like it was like a, you know, indirect comment. I don't know if Tyler had already, uh, he was really cool about that on the ticket too, by the way, he called Bob out like immediately. Um, but, but I, that, that's, that, that's why I found that really funny. Well, well yeah, let's, let's not only that, that but, but like, okay, so we're talking to him and he talks about how Dax already started following him on Instagram. Well, like. So you're obviously on social media. So let's pretend your name's Tyler Smith and you just got drafted by the Cowboys and you go on social media. How many times did you find positive things about you on there? <laughs> I'm, I'm just being, I'm being serious. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's bigger than a media thing. There had to be a, I, I would, if I was him, I would, if I was his agent, I'd be like, don't even look at that phone right now. Yeah. It's bad. Okay. It's really bad. Don't even look at it. You know what? Delete your account because you're not going to want to look at this. This is bad. Okay, like this it's is not going to. Local kid, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just throw your phone in the garbage. It's Just don't people, even. How many people are sitting there saying like, "Oh, this is the pick we needed"? Like, if you went on social media and you were Tyler Smith, tell me how many people you think that would have happened with. It's messed up, dude. We got a social media problem. Do you have in a this lake world. nearby? Can you that you could throw it into? That is They're so comparing wrong. You to, they're in the streets right now comparing you to Chaz Green. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Well, dude, it, it's yeah, I mean, way, some it's way with, different, but there was some taco going on there, and it's no, not. Yeah. Tell us about what happened with Bob, KT. And, and, then, and then, hold on. One other thing, too, is the, while we give them a bit of a doubt, as deservedly so, for their first-round success in their offensive linemen, but I, like I said, those guys were all ready to play right away, even though it was going to take some time. You can't compare this kid to Ty- Tyron Smith because Tyron Smith in this draft is probably the number one overall pick coming out of USC. Let's not act like this was yeah. this. That was going to be a big reach. We really didn't know what Tyron was going to be. His basement was incredibly higher than, than this kid's basement is. Okay. Like 
Maybe you could say their ceilings could kind of be somewhat close. I, I wouldn't believe that either, but it can at least, but in, in terms of what their bottom is, the worst, the basement of it, there's, this isn't even close to Tyron Smith. So there's one. Here's the other one. It's hard to sit there and say, though, at the back end of the first round, yes, you want to give them benefit of the doubt because they have had so much success with offensive linemen, but it's also like makes you think of Chaz Green. It makes you think of Connor McGovern. It makes you think of Connor Williams. Like, again, they're not first round picks, but they're second and third round picks that didn't come close to what you thought they were going to be. So let's not act like this is just, oh, this is offensive line factory. Just next guy in. We just, we draft them right. We, we, we develop them. We bring them along. Here we go. Everything's going. Like there was a time when that probably was right. I don't know that you can believe that right now. I don't, I, did you see anything last year? That made you think that this offensive line is still that type of a factory? Because I didn't. No, no. What they like about him, though, is one of the things that they liked about Trevor Pinning as well, is that he does play and he's a little mean. And he's a little nasty when he plays. And right. Especially uh, as a run blocker. And very projectable as a pass blocker. And that's he where does I have, go. He does and say then, all the right things, and he totally – Everything I can see him just blowing you away yeah. in meetings and stuff like that. Like he is in a, he was an incredible interview. Uh, you can just see the way he carries himself, the way he talks. Like, I mean, he is very, very interesting. I can see him really, really being somebody that they were like, yeah, as soon as we met with him, we were like, yeah, we, we just love what this guy can be. Well, I'm all on board too with them getting a little nastier and getting a little meaner on the offensive line. And let's address because Bob, uh, you know, from the athletic Bob Sturm, real quick, he tweeted out, I guess, Thursday morning, if they take, Tyler Smith, I'm going to retire. Um, obviously, a playful thing. And Son, I didn't hear it. Uh, his uh, the interview with Tyler. How did that go down? Yeah, well, Tyler got on, got on, uh, got on the air, and as soon as Corby uh, kind of like welcomed him in, Ty- the first thing Tyler said was, uh, "Is that is that Bob I hear?" And uh, and 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 Bob and Corby was like, "No, it's Corby." And and then Bob introduced himself, and Tyler was like. Well, I'm just surprised that you're here. I'm surprised that you uh, clocked in today. Uh, and they kinda, <laughs> That's <laughs> and amazing. Went yeah. That's so funny. Um, but, I mean, it was weird. Thursday morning, you wake up, and it's like Tyler Smith was a name that was getting thrown around. Everyone was hearing it, right? So, I mean, you couldn't avoid it. Everyone was hearing it. But that's also teams and their intel starting to get a pretty good feeling of what teams ahead of them are doing as well. So, let's move on to round two, pick 56. The Cowboys – Took one of their 30 visits right there. Um, Sam Williams, although it sounds like he wants to be called D, like D-E, D Williams. Um, but the defensive end from from Ole Miss, Sam Williams was the pick. Not not a, really a big surprise there. I know in our, our little three-round three mock draft extravaganza, I mocked him to the Cowboys. That's why you, li- um, that's why you listen to, the, to about them Cowboys, folks. <laughs> And it's why you follow their 30 visits, because sometimes they'll just draft right off that board. Uh, Hey, you you address the need at defensive end, right? You get a guy with pretty good upside. I mean, look, big-time talent there, SEC. Uh, He was first-team All-SEC last year, 12-and-a-half sacks. Explosive off the line of scrimmage. You know, brings a little little more of a kind of that Randy Gregory speed rush element to you as well. So there's some good things there. Um, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where it's tough. Like you, you, everything feels like it works out. It's to me, it is a thing where I can always play the whole game that people did for years, the Jalen Ramsey and Derek Henry compared to Zeke and Jalen Smith though. You can go, well, what if I did this and Cam Jerkins, even though Cam Jerkins wasn't there insert other guard insert Darian Kennard, 
who a lot of people, who's a guard, who a lot of people wanted, who went 195 in this draft, right? <laughs> but but insert whatever guard you want or whatever offensive lineman you want. Maybe it's Luke Gadecki, who uh, went to Central Michigan, who went to Tampa Bay, the pick after you, or Ed Ingram from LSU, who went to Minnesota a couple of picks down. What if you went Jermaine Johnson or George Karloftis and that guy over Tyler Smith and um, Sam Williams? Whatever you want to do, I, I, I don't think you can – sit there and go, well, that's a bad pick. And I do wonder, though, if Sky Moore is on the board for two more picks, do the Cowboys pull the trigger on Sky Moore, the wide receiver? Yeah, I got the sense that they weren't going to be uh, a player for him. I don't think that they feel like he can play all wide receiver positions, and that's something that they really wanted. So uh, I don't have no issues with Sam Williams' pick. It makes sense. Uh, I know that the knock on him is that he's not a great run defender and probably early on he's going to be a guy you bring in on third downs because he's he's really quick and athletic and and he can get after the passer so you like all all of those traits some can argue that maybe they should have taken him in the third round um well if we didn't let's put it this way like who they ended up taking in the third round i would have been fine with that guy in the second round too and we'll talk about him in a second so that's why i like to get both of them in the second or third like it's hard for me to be very critical of the sam williams pick the only thing i will say is that um again i was in favor of jermaine johnson seen him play quite a bit uh he really reminds me of the type of edge rushers that um you know have very productive nfl careers um and let's say you went that route so you could be sitting there and saying oh now we don't have offensive linemen then go get Bernard Raymond or, you know, or, or have to go get somebody in free agency or something. Like I don't, there's other options. It wasn't like, Oh, we got to they better get Tyler Smith right now because by the time they get to 56, there's not going to be any other offensive linemen there. Like, yeah, there will be like, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. I don't have any issues with this pick though. They needed, they need more edge rushing help, particularly from a younger player. So this makes, uh, this makes sense to me. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a good pick too, but I also with the disclaimer that, you know, pass rushers do take a little bit to develop. Um it doesn't matter whether you're a first round pick, for sure if you're a second round pick, it just it, it's just the natural progression of going from college to the NFL. We've seen it with DeMarcus Lawrence, with the many other guys um as, as they come through. So I don't I, I like the pick for the long term. I don't I don't expect Sam Williams what what shouldn't happen is for Cowboys fans to expect that okay we lost Randy Gregory so now here comes Sam Williams like that's not going to happen it, like th- that's this is not the Randy Gregory replacement for 2022 maybe for 2024 but uh for 2022 this is a good pick that's going to pan out in a couple years and to be honest with you even with even with Randy, let's say, let's do a hypothetical. They re-sign Randy. Sam Williams still could have been the pick here. One, they liked him a lot. Two, if you re-sign Randy Gregory, just going by what they tell us, then they're not probably re-signing Dorrance Armstrong that two-year deal. And then they're not getting Dante Fowler. And so all of a sudden you're like, okay, you got Randy re-signed. It's not like Randy has just played a full season year after year after year. Dorrance, I mean, uh, Demarcus Lawrence is on the other side. He's obviously, you know, getting up there uh, in age. So you'd want to add, I mean, you have Chauncey Golson, but you'd still want to add a young edge rusher into that mix. And I could see them still going after a Sam Williams here. Maybe maybe they don't do it here. Maybe they try and, and get a guy in the third, but they still needed a young edge rusher, even if they would have re-signed Randy Gregory. Yeah, no, to- totally makes sense. And it is, you know, if you do the scenario that you played out for us, maybe a worst case scenario on the offensive line, it's not crazy to think that their first uh, two picks in this draft will not be starters. Now, yeah, that's not the plan, clearly, but you know, Sam Williams is not going to start on this team. So, uh, unless someone gets hurt and all that stuff. 
Round three, pick 88, Jalen Tolbert, Southern Alabama, or South Alabama. I don't say Southern Alabama, South Alabama. Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver. Uh, and I agree with you. This is a guy who I was a little surprised he was still there for him in 88. And when he was, it was clear, you know, Ruckert, the tight end, had been picked uh, from the Jets. And, uh, you know, there's a chance that would have been the pick if he had gotten there. We had heard a lot about them liking Ruckert, but – yeah, I, I personally rank wide receiver as a bigger need for them at the time than tight end too, so I was kind of okay with that. So, man, I I, I love it. This kind of feels like it's different. Like They're not the same player or anything, but this does have the potential to have a Michael Gallup-type impact and trajectory, as we've seen with uh, Michael from Colorado State. Absolutely. This is my favorite pick of their nine. Uh the Michael Gallup stuff is a perfect comparison. Third round pick, just like Gallup was similar playing style. Uh, so I know some will say, why do you need another Michael Gallup? Well, if you can find another Michael Gallup in the third round, you go find another Michael Gallup. Uh, because like I said, they do want guys uh, that can play all three wide receiver positions. They believe Tolbert can do this. Um, I think that his skill set right off the bat is probably better on the outside. So, you know, Michael Gallup, Sounds like he might not be ready for the first few weeks of the season. So you, I think it's a pretty good bet that Tolbert's in the mix uh, in the starting lineup pretty early. <coughs> Excuse me. And so you have Tolbert, you have CeeDee Lamb, probably James Washington is, is probably there at the beginning of the year. And then when Gallup comes back and then into the future, I think that's what you want. You want Gallup, Lamb, and Tolbert, and that's your trio going forward. And they like how all of them can play. But I think if you're in your best spots, you have Tolbert and Gallup on the outside with CeeDee Lamb in the slot. I, I think it, this pick was great. I, I love this one. Yeah, that, actually, John, what you just said is kind of what my first thought was. was the, the, this is more about CeeDee Lamb for me. I think giving CeeDee Lamb, if that's your biggest playmaker, it, when you look at what the San Francisco 49ers have done with Debo Samuel and kind of like you know, making him the focal point of the entire offense because he's just their most talented player. You kind of saw what the Packers did with Ty Montgomery back back in the day when it's like, all right, if if you're the playmaker, then we'll just put you wherever we need to put you to get the ball and and just go with it. Uh, I kind of I, I kind of see this giving them a little bit of CD Lamb flex, where it's like, okay, you still need your two receivers. You got Gallup locked up for five years. You got now you got this this kid. Um, and now CD Lamb can just roam wherever. If you need him play outside, he can do that. If you need him play in the slot, I don't know, maybe in the backfield, whatever you need him to do, I think this this opens up a lot for CD Lamb. Yeah, it's 6'1, 195, you know, also very productive. You know, really his last two years at um at South Alabama, 64 catches, over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns, eighty-two catches, nearly fifteen hundred yards, eight touchdowns. And all those years too, you look at um, he was averaging over 17 yards a catch. So like he can help you at uh, you know intermediate level. He can help you deep. He can help you in a lot of different areas. Um, so I definitely like that that they address that. Now that takes us to the Saturday portion of the draft. You get to day three, and and uh, in the fourth round, we knew tight end was something that they were probably interested in. Well, the fourth round started with a run on tight ends. Kate Otten went to Tampa Bay, and I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe that Kate Otten was one of their top-rated players going into day three. Um, that also takes you to, uh, I mean, Daniel Bellinger went out. I think he was there. Charlie Kohler from uh, from Iowa State to Baltimore traded up in front of Dallas to get Charlie Kohler, the, t- uh, the Iowa State tight end. 
I don't know if the Cowboys liked him more than Jake Ferguson, the guy they took from Wisconsin, but there was definitely an interesting uh, game of chess being played with Baltimore traded up ahead of Dallas. Yeah, and tight end, you're absolutely right. That was the play there. Uh, yeah, you can get Kate Otten. You could have got some other guys if you were willing to do it in the third round instead of Tolbert. But because you franchise tagged Dalton Schultz, I just feel like the, the Tolbert thing makes the most sense because of what they need at wide receiver, losing Amari Cooper, and also what he could be going forward where he could maybe he's their number two wide receiver. I don't think that Tolbert will have a better career than CeeDee Lamb, but you know what? Maybe maybe he's maybe he surpasses Michael Gallup and maybe ends up being this really like standout wide receiver. At tight end, I just think that there's a lot of it's a little bit it's a little bit more difficult to project just because of the blocking and all the other things that tight ends have to do. But yeah, if, if let's say they let's say they were like we're dead set on we need to get a tight end there and they don't take Tolbert, uh, I could see K. Dot and being the pick. He was probably the best one there. Uh, if not him, it probably would have been Jeremy Ruckert, who Ruckert went, uh, you know, pick 101 to the Jets, so tail end of the third round. The thing is, the kid they get out of Wisconsin here, the Ferguson kid, I, it seems like a lot of stuff I read about him and, and, I, and I've seen from his highlights and things like that, he reminds me of kind of a little bit like Dalton Schultz. Obviously, that's what they're hoping for. Again, Dalton Schultz, fourth round pick, this guy, fourth round pick. But maybe he's not. Maybe he ends up just being a backup tight end, like a lot of the scouting reports say. But I get I get where they're going here. They want a guy that's going to be well-rounded. They'd like to have two really solid tight ends. I don't know if that Pete comes in here and takes over and, and, and on the depth chart as their number two guy. I think it, I think that's probably still Sean McCune right now. Um, you know, maybe it's Jeremy Sprinkle. And then the other only other tight end they had is Ian Bunting. So I think that they would hope for him to be able to work in that mix, but I wouldn't expect that to happen. Uh, right away. I think this is a little bit more of a project, just like Dalton Schultz early on. Dalton Schultz wasn't really doing much his first couple of years, and all of a sudden, it kind of all started to click for him. I think that's a, that's there's some similarities there with Ferguson. It is the least sexy tape you'll ever see. I mean, it is not a guy who is ripping up seams and things like that. It is. I'm telling you, that Schultz stuff wasn't good either, though, in terms of no, sexy. No, it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't. It absolutely wasn't. It was, you can do these things, and you can do these things okay. <laughs> you right. know, Um but boy, I tell you what, what you, his, hey, well, Casey, his production. What you, oh, go on. Well, I say his production speaks for itself. I mean, look at this, these numbers: thirty-six catches, thirty-three catches, thirty catches, forty-six catches. Right? Uh, never had more than four touchdowns. But that's kind of what he kind of what he does. Kind of run this run the seven to ten yard route, turn around, catch it, and then move on. Needs to get stronger if he's going to become a better blocker. And he also has really short arms, so that's not going to help him block too well either. So, there's a few things to deal with there. It is a it is a safe pick though. Like you do feel like he can help you at some point um, this season. I know nah, not so much this season, but like down the road, it feels like he can help you. Um, he's going to need to get a little stronger. If you look at him, he doesn't look real strong. Um, he's, but he, you know, he's six four. If you round up, I guess he's six five. Um. But like this is the type of thing where you kind of know what you have, and maybe they like that about him. But they, there's no upside. There's no like. Well, the thing is, I'd say the same thing. I never thought Dalton Schultz would be a number one tight end in this league, and he is now. He is because guys got hurt, and I think that's probably the same thing I would say about Jake Ferguson. He's probably not ever going to be a number one tight end in this league. Yeah, but I mean, how like are you really hunting for your number one tight end? 
at this point in the draft anyways, right? Like I think you're I think you're you're hoping to to just get a good number two and and if he develops into something that's fine, but I don't think you're really you're really going for that anyway. So I think for what they for the value, I, I think he's a solid pick here too. Yeah, and, and you talk about the Schultz tape and, and what he was early on. You know, you get him in the fourth round, it doesn't work. It doesn't work out. You're like, yeah, it's a fourth round pick. You go take a Gavin Escobar in the second round, it doesn't work out. I mean, that one that really hurts you. So That's true. yeah, four, fourth round, they're taking Jeff him in the Swain. fourth round, right? Uh, yeah, I think Swain was like a sixth or seventh. Swain's, Swain's, oh, was he? Swain's yeah. a seventh round pick and still yeah. still going. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so okay. I think that they look at him as more of a, a project type guy with the upside of potentially being a Dalton Schultz who Dalton Schultz has become a very good tight end. I mean, they if they didn't think he was, they would not have given him the franchise tag. This is the part of the draft where I kind of turned into a jerk, though, because I started having my name set on before they made that pick. I was like, well, look at these guards who are still available or guard slash tackle Zach Tom there. I don't know that they liked him. Derry Gennard, a guard. And I was like, man. You have plug-and-play guys right here who can step in right now and play left guard, and we know that. And it had me questioning everything that had happened down the path of the draft. And it doesn't matter, I guess, what I think, but it had me going, man, I feel better about that guy stepping in and playing left guard than I do Tyler Smith right now. That's right. that's not what you want to hear, that the guy who goes 145, I feel better about him stepping in and playing left guard than I do our first-round pick at 24. But that's... That's where my head was, and I'm maybe I'm a dick. Well, uh, maybe. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, is there somebody there that we could have taken that was on the board that could have could contribute this year? Or is it oh, just, you talking about in the fourth round over over Ferguson? Yeah, like maybe a maybe a defensive tackle, maybe a linebacker. The next pick, Jordan Stout, the punter. No, I'm sorry, go on. I, uh, I shouldn't have done that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you would have been doubling up a wide receiver, but I, I wondered if they liked the Boise State kid, Khalil Shakir. But, you know, their 30 visits, you go look at their 30-visit list, and, man, it is very sparse at wide receivers after big guys. In fact, there's no one. Um, Isaiah Likely was another tight end. I heard our friend uh, Bobby Belt 
Uh, we all know Bobby. I heard him say that he had heard that Isaiah Likely was uh, the Coastal Carolina tight end had more fans in the you know media than he did in the scouting community. And yeah, that stands up for where he went, pick 139. But that's where you're at, the part point of the draft. We didn't know this part of the draft was a little deeper, so you did see some names that you knew a little more, you know, at round five and round six still kind of going through, like Sam Howell going to Washington as the first pick in round five. But, like, you'd now entered the traits portion of the draft, and that takes you to pick 155. Hey, real quick, though, Casey, I think oh, if, they yeah. get, if they get Charlie Kohler there instead of Ferguson, I think people are are a lot more excited. Doesn't it feel like Kohler's more ready to go, though, right? And, he, and he's, like you said, long arms, the hands, all that. He just... Now, he's probably not going to be a great blocker, but he just reminds you of those type of, you know, longer, big tight end, good pass-catching tight ends and that. But it is interesting, and I'm sure we'll be keeping track of how Charlie Baltimore in this draft, man. They were just, they were just man, that's what wheeling they did, and dealing, man. man. They were, yeah. They just said, they're like, hey, screw it, everyone. We're going to have a great draft again. You guys just yeah. mind your business. Yeah, sit that's back and watch. Do. See how it's You don't done. need to do that, though. When you got four fifth-round picks in the meat of the draft – you don't need to be moving around. Your guys are going to be there for you. Yeah, because you can take a guy like Matt Willetsko, the offensive tackle from North Dakota, and pick 155. Oh, Go ahead, Matt. KT, and tell everybody what you thought of his tape. He's long. Did I watch his tape? Hell no. I'm like, come on here and Who lie did? to people. <laughs> I don't know a person. All I know I'm is sure, I'm, I'm, sure I'm Dane's, on Dane's big board. I can't remember where he had him, but I want to say it was in the 270s. And they got several guys in in uh, undrafted free agency that were graded much higher. So maybe look at it that way, people. Maybe look at it as, hey, look at these undrafted guys that they're getting that are have higher grades than Matt Willetsko. So, uh, yeah, that is interesting. Uh, biggest takeaway from that, real quick on him, is the, you know, we've become used to the Cowboys swing tackle kind of being some a veteran that they've signed in free agency. You know, the Cam Fleming types, you know. Um, that's done now for this year. They're going to be going with the young guys, and it if well, let's go can do it. Then there you go. If not, uh, that's where you work into Josh Ball. Um, so they're going with the younger guys there to try and be the swing tackle as as they're working on their development. And so if you're looking for them to sign a a swing tackle like they've done in previous years, it doesn't look like they're doing that. They're gonna they're trying to develop these these young kids. Well, you know, fifth fifth round is where you do that. Right, if you're gonna start doing traits picks right there, the one thing that I'll say, I'm not so you know, so we don't sound too uh, cynical. <laughs> six foot seven dude, thirty six inch arms. We were just talking about Jake Ferguson not having big enough arms to be a very good blocker, right? Thirty two inch arms, right? Thirty six inch arms here, massive wingspan. So you do have all of that. So between him, between um, uh, Josh Ball. You know, you got you got some things to, to figure out there, and Joe Philbin's got his uh, hands full, so go go figure it out, Joe Philbin. Then they take Deron Bland at their next pick in the fifth round. Deron Bland uh, was one of their visits. He's the cornerback uh, from Fresno State at 167. For now, feels like, you know, maybe just a special teams guy, assuming, uh, you know, he makes the team. But another guy that was ranked way low on Dane's board, um, yeah, I, I didn't watch Bland's tape. I'm not gonna gonna lie to you here, so I don't really know uh, what to say about it. But that, but but taking a cornerback at some point was necessary, in my opinion. Right? Yeah. So the way they had it done, at least it's the way Jerry explained it after the draft, was that the four players they got in the fifth round were very 
like that they were in this group that they were really hoping, and I'm sure there was more than just those four. Like, let's try and come away with as many guys out of this group out of these four picks as we can. So let's try and figure out where these guys could potentially go so that we know where to be drafting them at. And so when I say that, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because I like their last two of those four than I like of their first two of those four picks. Like, so the two that KT got that he just mentioned, you know, well, let's go and bland like those. Okay. Um, but I actually like their next two picks after that, probably more than I like the first two. Yeah, no, I'm with you. This is where it kind of gets fun right here. Um, at 176 in the fifth round, uh, Damone Clark, linebacker from LSU, who, you know, I think some people had, you know, second round grade on if he did not have a cervical issue. Um, so, you know, I, I, that's the thing, like, is he going to have to sit out uh, you know, all of the season? Steven seemed to be a little more optimistic than than what he had heard from a lot of people, but. So Steven said that there was a player on their team that they can't say who it was because of, you know, obviously medical reasons, HIPAA, HIPAA things like that. Yeah. That uh, had a similar procedure, similar fusion type procedure. So to me, I was, I, you know, I don't know, like I'm thinking of people who had back neck type issues, obviously the first two that would come to mind on this current. Now he didn't, I don't know if he, I can't remember if he said current roster just recently, but um, on the current roster, neck and backs, I think of, uh, Tyron Smith, Leighton Vanderesh. But anyway, the reason I'm bringing this up is because he said because of that, they felt comfortable that there's a good chance that Clark can, you know, still be a really good player. It just it's having to get past this this surgery. And then like like you said, KT, he did not rule him out for this season, but a lot of people have that that's kind of almost like a red shirt year for him. Um but yeah, when he plays, you know, very productive player. Uh Steven said they had a third round grade on him. I think of Kia. Neck and back. Oops, for KT. And PNC. I don't know. I think that's how you pronounce it. What? So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I looked at hopefully, um, look, I just hope he, like, doesn't rush it back or whatever when you just had spinal surgery. Like, dude, be careful, dude. But good that they could get him and. Because uh, I mean, there's chance he probably felt like he might not get drafted too. Um, so that's where you take your injury risk, guys. Your big time injury risk, fifth round, not second round, pick thirty four. Um, moving on, uh, John Ridgeway, defensive tackle, pick one seventy eight right here. Now this is fun because they normally don't invest in the big bodied one tech types, but they did here, John. Yeah, they wanted to pair him with Quentin Bohanna so that they can keep those two fresh guys that are going to be playing on first and second down. When you know the running downs, obviously there was times and there have been times here for a while where there are teams that when you know that they're going to run the ball and everybody in the stadium knows to run the ball and they still are able to run the ball, that's not a good thing. So that's why you want to have these big bodies in the middle, which they obviously went away from during the Rod Marinelli era um, as as their one techniques. They got these big body guys now with a uh, Ridgeway and Bohanna, both, you know, six, four, six, five guys, you know, three thirty plus, uh, that you can put in there. If a team's trying to just keep continue to run on you, it can stuff things up in the middle. And I, th- I think that that makes sense. I I've always thought that their defensive line has to get bigger, but that was kind of a Mar- Marinelli thing. He liked a lot of the, 
you know, smaller one techniques, stout, you know, they had a little bit more pass rush to them. Maybe you're not going to get very much pass rush out of Quentin Bohanna or John Ridgeway, you know, so they're there to be run stoppers. And Hey, at this point back in the fifth round, I thought it was a pretty good pick. I know Dane liked, liked him, had him uh, graded pretty high in this draft, higher than where he was picked. So um, I like that pick a lot. Well, it's a guy who went to Illinois state and then when he transferred to Arkansas, and if you have any questions about a guy that you might take out of Illinois State, like, okay, well, who's he going up against? You know, that type of thing. Well, you got Arkansas and you're immediately going up against the SEC and you're holding your own and having a good year. That's always a good sign. So I, I thought that I thought the fifth round, I really liked what they did at the end there, um, as you said. And then we have uh, Devin Harper, linebacker, sixth round, 193 overall. Classic Cowboys day three, linebacker, special teams fit type of guy. Yeah, and, and and he's a guy that you might need some stuff from him on special teams because usually when you take linebackers in, in the fifth round, you're expecting some special teams help there, and and if you might not get F. Clark for the entire season. So uh, maybe this is a guy that and, – and this guy was a 30 visitor, so maybe this is this is something they really like, some traits there that they could possibly think is, you know, like they've done before with like a Luke uh, Gifford or uh, a Francis Bernard, even though, you know, not necessarily drafted. But those are type bottom-of-the-line linebackers because I think they look at their linebacker core as – you know, going forward, it's, you know, some type of combination with Micah Parsons, with Damone Clark or Jabril Cox. And, you know, you're, you're basically going to be playing two linebackers, uh, just the way that the style of ball that it's played in the NFL now. So I think that's where they look at linebacker going forward. And if you have anything from this kid, then, hey, maybe, hey, that's great, you know. But I think, like you said, KT, I think it's more of a special teams thing. Um, and uh, last night after the draft ended, you know, I was able to, to get all the names of, Mike McCarthy had said 19 names is what they were trying to add as undrafted guys. And so when you look at some of those guys, I mean, there's guys on there that they could have easily taken with this pick in the sixth round yeah. and nobody would have said anything about. And I would say three or four guys like that. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Well, I, I want to say on their undrafted free agent list. Yeah. There are a couple do you have names. it in front of you? Is there anybody that jumps I, I out sh- to you? I do. And I'll, okay. I'll start out with, with the kicker. Yeah. But, you know, that was a big discussion. Are you going to burn a draft kick on a kicker? And I know, like, when it goes off kicker rankings, like who's scouting every kick or whatever, <laughs> right? But Dane's had Cade York. Dane's probably going off of what he had heard back from NFL people. Um, I'm telling you straight up, and I know this because I just do, the guy they got is awesome. He's cold-blooded, and he is awesome, and he does not get nervous. Jonathan Garibay, the kicker from Texas Tech. Um he is uh, also, I mean, you don't have to deal with it much. Well, you may, maybe you will. Also very confident kicking in the wind, too, and things like that out in Texas Tech. Now, obviously, a little more climate controlled at these home games. I love Jonathan Garibay, and I, I think if, if the competition's on right now and they go with him and they go with Nagger, then I think Garibay is your – I think Garibay beats him out pretty easily. Well, and you mentioned Cade York. Cade York goes in the fourth round. He goes, uh, yeah. you know, a handful of picks before Jake Ferguson goes. So to yeah. get Cade York, you're either going to have to trade up in the fourth or, or you're taking him with your third round pick. I mean, people would have lost their mind if they would have done that. So you get a kid here and, uh, you know, maybe you bring in another kid, uh, you know, along the way. And, and it's just an open competition. But yeah, I, I, I thought that was pretty good get for them right after. You know how when college kickers sometimes kick, it doesn't look like it's got like the NFL trajectory. Yeah, like it almost feels like they're just kind of lining it through. Right. That's kind of so. As I know, a lot of people, but and it's just because we're in Big Twelve country, uh, but a lot of people want to dicker the kicker from Texas as well. 
And he did he got the Eagles or the Ravens might have got him too. Uh, but he was an undrafted. The Rams maybe. Oh, the Rams got him. Yeah, you're right. The Rams. Yeah. When you watch Garibay, it's got an NFL trajectory to his kicks. Like he gets air under it while it's going far, and that's something I always kind of. I don't pay attention to. They also got Marquise Bell, the safety from Florida A&M, who is a guy who was one of their visits. It's someone they wanted. Um, and I just love the name Big Cat Bryant, the defensive <laughs> end from Central Florida. I thought that was pretty cool. So of the stuff when I was doing some research after about some of these guys, I didn't know a lot about most of them. The Alex, Alec Lindstrom, the center out of Boston College, people seem to think like, and then even uh, I think his name is James Empe. MP from uh, center from BYU, they're clearly bringing those guys in to potentially be competition because right now behind Biotish, you have Matt Farniak. And so th- these guys are making competition. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those centers end up making the roster. So that one was interesting to me. And then just because of going off of Dane's list. Um, so Dane did a big board of 300 players, 262 were drafted. Uh, that's how many picks were taken in this year's draft, 262. So out of, on Dane's board, he had, out of these Cowboys, 19 guys that they've signed, he had six ranked in the top 250. So six could have been draftable players if you kind of go about it that way, with the top guy being Aaron Hansford, linebacker at Texas A&M, uh, who Dane had ranked at 195. So that would be All like right. a bottom of the sixth round pick, you know? So uh, Cowboys didn't have a seventh round pick, but I think that with some of these names here, it wouldn't have surprised me at all if, if if a guy or one or two of these guys end up making the roster. Dontario Drummond, wide receiver from Ole Miss, 76 catches, over 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns for Matt Corral and Ole Miss. I mean, he was his number one wide receiver. Uh, so there's some, some, some names there that, you know, it sounds like they did pretty good. As a whole, I do not hate the draft. As a whole... I I think it's uh, I don't I don't want to say underwhelming because they accomplished a lot of what they were set out to accomplish, right? But I I think I think it basically this draft is going to be defined on did they develop Tyler Smith or not? It could, and and I agree with you. And and I right after the draft I said something very similar. Um, but there is a part of me that thinks if let's say he's we'll say because we'll compare it to Cowboys. We'll say he's Chaz Green. So it just like is a, is a disaster. It doesn't work out. So, you know, let's just try and set, well, if we were going for worst case scenario, if that happens, but Sam Williams ends up being, I'm not going to say Demarcus Lawrence, but he ends up being just a solid, you know, defensive end that is on the roster for a second contract. If uh, Ferguson gets anywhere close to being like a Dalton Schultz, Tolbert is like Michael Gallup. And one of these other guys ends up being like a solid star, let's say Damone Clark or something like that. I don't, obviously you would still would never give this draft an A if your first round pick totally flames, but I can see some scenarios where some of these guys make you be like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like a B draft. Like it wasn't the greatest thing. It wasn't the worst. And also let's remember they weren't drafting at the top of these rounds where when you're, when you are, when you have like Micah Parsons and things like that, technically your rounds are, your drafts can be a little bit better. You know, 2016 is obviously a great example. You're picking in the top five. You should be able to get a lot more impact players. So um, because of that, after round one was done, I was at like probably a C, C minus on their first round pick. But I, after everything unfolded, I'd probably put it at a B, B plus right now. Uh, I certainly wouldn't say it was an A. And now if they would have taken Jermaine Johnson in the first round, I would have given it an A. Yeah, no. that, that would have been fun. That would have been fun. They, they, they had a plan, though, and stuck to it. That was their plan was, you know, that's what that's what that's about, I think. You know? What were some of your favorite picks of the draft, KT? 
Well, look, I mean, I think I think when you look at again, Baltimore comes to mind like what they did. I gotta say this though, for the Eagles to be as kind of like, well, look, we made it to the playoffs last year. No one wants to talk about it because everyone says our quarterback has such limitations. For them to go trade for AJ Brown, can I lump that in as a good pick? Because <laughs> It kind of is. And I got to say, I love what Tennessee did with Malik Willis in the third round. I know a lot of people did not uh, think Malik Willis is going to turn into anything, but to get him where you got him in the third round, knowing where Ryan Tannehill is at this point in his career, I thought that was an incredible value. Um, and then, you know, again, everything Baltimore did just really strikes me as just as awesome. I mean, dude, the, they got the big uh, – the Minnesota guy, the big long guy, what's his name? Dane uh, Falalele. They got him in the fourth Sounds round. Good. He's he's going to start for that probably. Like, I I just thought I thought that was I thought that was a really good pick. I still have big question marks for my guys up in Seattle. They didn't do anything at quarterback. So Drew Locke and Geno Smith is what they're doing. They took a running back at pick forty. When you know that team needs so much more than that. But they always feel like they always take a top 50 running back. So that was something that kind of jumped out to me as well. Um, what else? I love the Lions draft. Uh, I love yeah. them getting Hutchinson. Hutchinson's the guy that I'm telling you, everybody in Michigan wanted them to not win any games at the back end of the season so they could get Hutchinson at one to get him at two and then to get Wilson on trading up when, you know, that's the thing like Steven was talking about after the draft was over about how like, you know, he he came out and said they had 14 first round grades. You know, he said 14 to 16 before the draft started. So 14 first round grades. And he talked about how, like, you know, I mean, we talked to other teams in the league. They're all right around there. So when I when I had that in my mind of like 14 first round grades, and so I see the Lions trade up to take uh, uh, what's it called Garrett Wilson at, at uh, uh, what's or not Garrett Wilson? Did I say that? Jameson Williams? Jameson Williams. Sorry, uh, at 12. That clearly was because this is enough. We want to get two first round picks out of this as opposed to waiting to use their pick. They had the last pick in the first round and they had the second pick in the second round to trade those. Like, I thought that was great. The one that left me scratching my head the most is, is uh, New England. I mean, I think Bill Belichick's the goat, but that cold strange thing was weird. And then also, great minds, the, Bill. yeah. And then the, uh, uh, the receiver they took out of Baylor. I uh, just, I don't know. Baylor receivers yeah. haven't had great success. And I know he's fast, but. They haven't had great success in the league. New England hasn't been good at draft, drafting wide receivers. I don't know. They, they, no, they definitely had some. They did end up though as the day went on. I thought they had some interesting value things on day three. But yeah, you're right up top. Uh, real quick, real quick. I know we're gonna get out of here. Giants, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau's got to work out. There is a little bit of, um, I guess, uh, I, I guess he's not as safe. I guess as maybe some other guys. Well, I think if I was ranking these this draft on top players for me, Kayvon Thibodeau was still I had I still had him up there pretty high, and then Evan Neal. Um, like to me, Evan Neal is just such a sure shot offensive lineman. You In know, the so last three hundred and sixty five days, if you've been doing mock drafts for the last three hundred and sixty five days, there are definitely times when you could add either of those guys being the first overall pick in the draft. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the Eagles, Jordan Davis at defensive tackle. Put him next to Fletcher Cox. That's going to be fun, right? Um, Cam Jurgens, you know, come in, play inside on the offensive line. And what they did with N'Kobe Dean. I mean, N'Kobe Dean claims he's healthy and ready to go. That's that, going to be, that's a wild pick, right? That's probably the, that's one of the biggest stories of that draft is him falling to the third round. Like, 
all eyes are going to be on him. If he ends, I mean, he doesn't even have to be a Pro Bowl player. If he's just a really good starter for the next seven, eight years, that's going to look, so many teams are going to look silly because so many passed on him multiple times. Yeah. Big pressure on Washington, right? With Jahan Dotson at 16. Uh, we're going to, we're going to kind of look at that and, and see if it, see if it pans out the same way we've done with Philadelphia with Jalen Rager last year. And then they, in the second round, they took Fedarian Mathis, another Alabama defensive tackle. They like drafting Alabama defensive tackles. Of course, back, uh, uh, the running back, Brian Robinson from Alabama, obviously it's a name. And then Sam Howell, the fifth round to kind of go in there. I, I heard Daniel Jeremiah just on the cover just go, and look, I think he could go compete with Carson Wentz right now. Now, Jeremiah was a big Sam Howell fan, but that was interesting. Sam Howell going yeah. to the fifth round was a bit of a shocker. If I told you before the draft started, I called you up and I was like, hey, KT, I just talked to somebody. Uh, they're taking one of these two guys at 24. Uh, Jahan Dotson or Tyler Smith. Who would you have liked more? Dotson. Because, Interesting. Because I'm bringing this up because we talked about that as a possible doomsday scenario. So, yeah, no, because because that means your five wide receivers, the top five wide receivers, there had had uh, panned out, got wiped out, but Dotson would have been the next guy. Now, for some people, it's Sky Moore. For some people, it's George Pickens and all that stuff. George Pickens, interesting. He I got in a car wreck last week. I think that I don't know if that affected his drop anything. I mean, he went at fifty two, but uh, that was interesting. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I just I thought if you're going to take a guard, why not take a guy who you know for sure is a guard? I don't think that they really that was necessarily the thing. I think the plan either. is find uh, Tyron's heir apparent, and that's what they believe he can be. But in the meantime, let's keep him over here at guard. Uh, and maybe he can fill that spot until it's time to replace Tyron. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it works out. <laughs> well, uh, Kent, great work all week in Vegas with the Athletic Football Show. You can find those podcasts, obviously, on the Athletic Archive. John's got a bunch of stuff up uh, over on the Athletic, so you can just go over and uh, find all that he's doing. Sod and the Dallas Stars. Sod had to run. He had to, had to go to a, to a conference call because guess what? The Stars are in the playoffs. His real job covering the stars uh, calls. Tim Cato is going to have stuff for you as well as the Mavs oh, yeah. are in the playoffs. Buckle up, DFW. We have late night playoff games this week coming off the draft. My final thought is I hope the NFL, I wish the NBA would move their season to start on Christmas Day because we should never have a game six playoff game going on while the draft is happening. We do not need to lump all our sports in there at once. We need to spread it out across the week. Just a message to you, Adam Silver. For Father John Mashoda, for our producer Kent Garrison, for Saad Youssef, again, go stars. I'm Kevin KT Turner, and this is our post-draft edition of About Them Cowboys. I fucked it up. <laughs>